0: Lord. Well, I was thinking of, for the first Sunday of, uh, of this year, to give a nice inspiring message of setting forth a vision for the year. And there's some things that I see that I believe God wants us to talk about. But as I was preparing, uh, a, a quote came to me, and I'll read the quote to you at the end of this morning uh, of the message. A, uh, something written by Martin Luther... Several hundred years ago, now I think it's five hundred years ago, and uh, but I want to I want to get into a little bit of background here before we get into that. We've just come to the end of two thousand twenty, and I've heard many people say, Whew, "I'm glad that's over." But if you think back to this same time last year, many of us had plans and dreams. Maybe it was. Travel, vacations, maybe it was family gatherings, maybe it was goals that you had set for your life in your business or at work, uh, plans, thinking forward to the year and what it was going to be like. I know we had some ideas and plans for what the church was going to be like, and we had just finished a beautiful cafe, and it was so successful. People were fellowshipping there after service, and it was so wonderful, and we could just see things really growing and beginning, and there were plans and dreams. And expectations this time last year. And somewhere around the end of February and the beginning of March, everything changed for most of us. And we found our, our expectations turned upside down, our dreams set aside, and we found ourselves thrust into uncertainty uncertainty for our health, uncertainty for our future. I remember some of the first thoughts I had was, how can a church survive if we can't come together? Oh, we can put things on the internet, but how do we know? How, do we, how can we, we do this? How can we make it? Are we going to be able to make it financially? All this uncertainty kind of poured in on me, and I know some poured in on you for the issues and areas of, of your life. But I found as it poured in on me, I found the Spirit of God on the inside of me, rise up and begin to assure me. So the point is this, we started a year ago into a year with plans and dreams and expectations and found ourselves thrust into tremendous uncertainty. Uncertainty with who you can. I remember in the beginning, you know, I didn't trust seeing anybody. Can I, they're going to breathe on me? If I touch this, am I going to get this thing? And it really f- kind of drove us to pull inside of ourselves out of fear. And we've grown to become somewhat used to this. And I know there are many things that we still have to adjust to and many things that we still have to develop our faith for. But, but, but we've kind of gotten used to some areas of it, but just looking out at you this morning, it's obviously not, not the same. I can't see all your faces. We can, we're limited in terms of the capacity that we can have. We're blessed that we can do We're now doing streaming so people can, can watch and f- be part of the service online. And, and I would encourage you to not just be a spectator, but to be part of this service. So almost none of us saw what was going to come and what was going to change our lives so drastically. Unfortunately, this is not a unique experience, although COVID-19 is unique for us. These kinds of dramatic changes that turn everything upside down are not unique. Those of us who were around in 2001 on September 11th got up that morning. I was driving into work here. Every day, just like any other day, as far as I could tell, not realizing that there were events unfolding in New York and in in in, in, Wa- in Washington and in the fields of Pennsylvania that would change the way we travel, that change areas of our life forever. Those of you that are old enough to remember, and there are not many of us around anymore, I was I missed it. I was a little. I'm not that old yet. Um, December seventh, nineteen. 19- 42. A day, President Roosevelt said that we'll go down in infamy. My mother was working as a teenage girl in, in a small town in, in uh, Maine. And the news report came across that Pearl Harbor had been attacked. she never heard of Pearl Harbor. Had no idea what it was. And went on with her life the way it was, not realizing that her whole life was going to change because of it. So this is not unique. So what does it tell us? It tells us this. It makes us realize that what lies ahead this year is uncertainty. And uncertainty is a scary thing to us. Many of us are hoping, i heard some comments even Saturday, uh, New Year's Eve, well we got that year over with, and the implication is we're done with this, so 2021 is going to be better and we all hope for that, we all want to believe for that, but we have no guarantee that 2021 is going to be any more certain than 2020. The only difference that I can see is that this year, we're much more aware of uncertainty than we were a year ago at this time. So as Christians, does that mean we're kind of left to be thrown around by this uncertainty? Are we left to be in fear and to be afraid and to pull back? And to, are we, Because does uncertainty change our lives and throw us into confusion and fear as a Christian? Well, obviously the answer is no. But the problem is if we don't know how to navigate uncertainty, the uncertainty will navigate us. So we're going to talk today about how to navigate uncertainty in 2021. Uncertainty makes us uncomfortable. We don't like to talk about uncertainty because to be uncertain implies we're insecure and we're not safe. So it makes us anxious. It tends to make us anxious because we've been raised and trained to believe that some of the goals of our life should be to come to the place where we know that we're safe and we know that we're secure and that we trust that whatever is going on now is going to continue on and therefore I can count on it. We base our security and our safety on things of this world, our jobs, our, our being able to gather together, we base it on our health, our circumstances of our life. Many times we base our security and our, and our comfort in the fact that we are, we are familiar with the way things are. So when we find a change takes place in our lives, especially unexpectedly, it can make us anxious. Even though what you're used to may be difficult and hard, the change to something that's unknown can be scary. Anybody here that sells life insurance understands that because before you can sell your product, you have to talk to people about something they don't want to face, death. And the reason death is scary to people because it leads us to a change and that change involves an uncertainty. What is it going to be like when I die and go on from here? So anything that changes can create this anxiety when we change the, the, the starting time for services, it makes some people anxious. When we change, I remember in the church I had years ago, it was a small church, and, and it was a church, we had held, the, the, the room held about 200 people, uh, and we were running about 150 or so. And I decided one Saturday I was going to change things. So I came in Saturday night and I rearranged all the chairs, and I put the pulpit in the middle, and I set the chairs up around the pulpit because I wanted to bring some change. And people were, were, were un, unsettled because their chair was in a different place. And so any kind of change can make us unsettled because we build our security around knowing where things are going to be. So when we move chairs, even in here, it creates a little bit of anxiety in some people. We feel safe and secure when we know what's going to happen, or we think we know what's going to happen. And we trust and what we think is going to be there. So one of the most common goals for life is to build safety and security, especially for our future. So we build retirement plans, and we build plans for our future. We try to build safety into our children, and security into our children. But the problem is we do that by tools that the world offers us. Money, possessions, jobs, opportunities. These are not bad in and of themselves, but they're a trap if you base your security in them. I can tell this is going to be an exciting message. You're just ready to jump up and down. (laughs) So change unsettles us. But here's what I want you to hear this morning. There is nothing in the Bible that guarantees you security and safety in this world. In fact, it's just the opposite. Jesus says, because you're going to follow me, you're going to have trouble. That doesn't sound like safety and security. In John chapter 15, when he talks, I'm the vine and you're the branches, and he talks about abiding in me, and we talked a lot last year about that, he goes on to say, oh, by the way, because, because you're one with me, the world's going to hate you, because they're going to see me and you, and they hate me. So if security and safety and all the things that go with it is your goal, uncertainty is going to shake your world because the Bible does not offer that to you in this life. We're going to talk about that going forward. Hebrews 11 is all about learning how to live in this world through the difficulties of this world by faith in the kingdom that we really are part of. We talked about this a little bit last fall around the election. When you became a Christian, you changed kingdoms. If you're a Christian, you no longer are the kingdoms of this earth. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're strangers and sojourners. So Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about all those that learn to live in this world, putting their security and their safety... And there's certainty, not in this world, but in the promise of the world that is to come. Hebrews 11, chapter 13, will give you an example of this. Having talked about some of these that have gone on before us, our heroes of faith, it says, all, "...these all died in faith, not having received the promises." But having seen them far, far off, they were assured of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, they seek a safety and a security. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they come from, they would have had opportunity to return to it. Understand this when you build your safety, your security, your well being, In this world, you will be constantly tempted to return to the world. The lesson of these verses is these heroes of faith set their eyes for their well-being, set their eyes for their security, their eyes for their welfare, not in this world, but in the promise of where they were going when they left this world. Because the warning was if they build their security in this world, they would be tempted to return to this world and let go of their faith. And so this year, our faith will be tested. I can guarantee you it's going to be tested. Our faith will be tested. Our faith, that allows us to walk through the challenges of this life, realizing that if the very worst thing can happen to me is I die, and if I die, what happens to me? Paul said, to be absent from this body is to be immediately present with the Lord. So is that your hope? Is that where your hope and security is? Or is it in your 401k or whatever retirement plan you have? Or is it in your job? Early on in my... we got to move on. Now I'll say it. Early on in my walk with the Lord, somehow God got through to me that He was my source of everything that I needed. Now that's easy to believe when you're working in a large law firm and you're making two and a half times what you spend each month. So it's easy to believe God's your source. But He really trained me in that, and I don't have time to go through how He trained me in that. And He was training me because there came a time two years later when God told me to walk out of that law firm, uproot my family, and move to Tulsa, Oklahoma to go to Bible school without any kind of job out there. And I could do that because that law firm was not my source. I had developed faith that God was my source. So although our world was turned upside down, our safety and security was in the God who was not only in Boston, Massachusetts on State Street, he was also in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. So this is what we need to learn to develop. We'll talk a little more about about that as we go forward. Um, Acts chapter four. I'm not going to turn to the scripture. I'll just tell you, for the sake of time, what it's about. You can put it up there if you have it. This is the the church in the very early days of the church. Peter and John had 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 healed a man who was born lame, and they were brought before the authorities because it was creating such a stir, and they were they were they were they were ordered not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus, which tells you where the threat is. And so they go back to their 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 assembly, their church, and they pray. So they the church has been threatened that if you do what you're supposed to do, we're going to shut you down. So notice what they do. This is in their prayer. Now, Lord, they're praying together as a church, which we'll talk about that later this year. Now, Lord, look on their threats. And grant that your servants would be delivered from these threats and we, so we could live safe and secure. No, that's not what it says, does it? It says, grant that your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. So when they were threatened, literally with their lives, their prayer was not for safety and protection. Their prayer was that God would not allow the threat to keep them from being bold, So they weren't looking for their safety and security. They were looking for boldness of the Holy Spirit because when you have the boldness of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter what the threat is to you because the reality, your safety is on the inside of you. It's not out there in the world. Jesus, and we talked about this the year before, we spent a long time in this. What did Jesus call his disciples to do? It was so simple. So what's He called us to do? What? Follow us. Follow Follow me. Follow me where? No, just follow me. But where are we going to go? Just follow me. See, when we start looking to where we're going to go, we stop following Him. And I'm not going to do it this morning, but I used as an example, I had Denny come up here, and I said, just follow me. And I walked all around the stage, and Denny followed me. I didn't tell him where we were going, he just knew if He kept His eyes on me, I would get Him where He needed to go. So Jesus didn't call them to do something that was secure. Their security was in following Him. In following Him. For a Christian, and that's you, right? Just is your chance to confess. You're a Christian, right? Okay, okay. For a Christian, the most secure place is following Jesus. Amen. Wherever that may take he may take you, even if he takes you to insecure places. Amen. The safest place is right up there close to him. Genesis chapter 12. This is God's calling Abraham. We're going to look at some examples of people that were called by God to places of of uncertainty. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Keep going. And I will make of you a great nation. Notice he's not going to make him a great nation and then send him out. He's saying, I'm calling you to leave the safety of your family and of your home and I'm telling you to go somewhere and I'll tell you where it is when you get there. Now, I've often wondered what the conversation was like when he went home to talk to his wife and said, Sarah, we're moving. Great, I'd love a new house. Where are we going? I don't know. Oh, by the way, at this point, at this point, they're, they're, they're Chaldeans, and they're, they're pagans, and they were moon worshippers, moon worshippers. So the moon doesn't talk to you. At least I hope it doesn't talk to you. The moon doesn't talk to us. So this is the first time God's spoken to him. And so he's got to go tell his wife, we're moving and we're going somewhere and I can't tell you where it is because I don't know. Well, who told you this? God. And she's looking up at the moon. And she's looking at her husband. No, not that God. The God. So God called him to follow him into uncertainty. And note he goes on to say, and I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. We'll just stop there. So God said, I'm going to bless you, but you've got to follow me into uncertainty, because the blessing is going to be in uncertainty. It's uncertainty as far as the world's concerned, but it's not uncertainty as far as God's concern. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. We get the... This is looking back on it. If you can put that up there. So by faith Abraham obeyed. By faith he did. He obeyed when he, when he was called to go out of the place which he was received as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. Some of us don't know where we're going but it's not because we're following God. We just don't know where we're going. But he didn't know where he was going, but God knew where he was taking him. Matthew chapter 14, this is a New Testament example. And immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent the disciples away, he, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now out in the middle of the sea, tossed about by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, I guess we would be, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Now remember the scene here, they're in a storm and they're afraid, and I've said this so many times before, these were professional fishermen, they were in their boat, on their sea, they were used to being out on this water, they were used to going through storms, and this storm is so bad, they're afraid, and they're alone and they They thought they were in uncertainty because the storm in the darkness is telling them a message. You don't know where you are, and you're not going to make it to the other side. But Jesus had said, Jesus had said, go to the other side. And when Jesus spoke something, and still does today, it was not a suggestion, it was not a prediction, it was the words themselves contain the power to make it happen. So their security was to do what He said and He would get them to the security of the land on the other side. But between where He spoke to them and between the goal of the other side, they had to go through a storm of uncertainty whether they were going to make it. And the circumstances in uncertainty speak to you. Circumstances talk to you. They say, you're not going to make it. They say, you've never done this, whatever they may do. But they're always there to say, you're not going to make it. See, we're used to building our security in understanding things. I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you, if the doctor says you've got such and such, run right home and get on the internet and start looking it up? Well, that answered that question. I know who doesn't. <laughs> Why? Because I figure, I've got to understand this. And that's where my mind works. I got in trouble with a doctor one time. He got mad at me because I'm trying to understand what he's diagnosed. And he said, look, you're the pastor, I'm the doctor. (laughs) You pay me to give you the advice. Now you take my advice and you don't have to figure out and second guess me. I should have known that because I had clients do that when I was a lawyer. But anyway, we got to move on. Okay, verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. Literally, in the Greek, what that says is, Be boldly courageous. He's calling on them to be bold and courageous in the midst of uncertainty and threat. Be boldly courageous. It is I, I am, literally. Do not be afraid. And so Peter answered him and said, Lord, If it's you, command me to come to you on the water. This is one of the most powerful stories in the New Testament. Think about this. They're already scared in a boat because they're afraid it's going to sink because they're in a storm in the middle of the night. And although he's told them to go to the other side, in their minds there's uncertainty whether they're going to make it. And the wind and the waves tell them there's a good chance you're not going to make it. And now they see a ghost walking to them. And now their anxiety level goes even more because even that's uncertainty. What is this? And he identifies himself as Jesus. And now Peter, out of his boldness... I believe it was a response to the words, Be boldly courageous. Peter That's me. I'm boldly courageous. Peter said, If that's you, bid me to come. Now notice what Jesus does not say. He does not say, Well, who do you think you are? You think you're me? I'm the one that walks on water because I'm God. You're not. You stay in that boat. No, Jesus said, Come. We don't have time to go through it. But imagine the picture In the storm, it's going around like this. The waves are blowing. Peter gets up over his legs over the side of the boat, up and down like this, and he then steps out. But he didn't step out on the waves. He stepped out on the word, come. Because any word of Jesus has the power of God to make it happen. And so when Jesus said, come... All the power that created the universe was there to make sure that Peter could come to Him on the water. So they're in a storm. They're afraid. There's tremendous uncertainty. And Jesus calls him out, listen to this, into even greater uncertainty because He calls him to leave the earthly safety and security of the boat. I mean, they've lived all their life trusting in the security of this boat especially in a storm, and now Jesus calls him to get out of the security of the boat and do something that makes absolutely no sense. It's the most insecure thing you can do is to step out of the boat in a storm on the water. Of course, what's the difference it makes as a storm? If you think it's easier to walk on calm water than turbulent water, we have a pond out back. I'll take you out there after the service and we'll find out how well you can do. Here's the point. There were 12 disciples, and in the midst of this turmoil and uncertainty, the one who was the safest was the one who got out of the boat with Jesus. The 11 that stayed in the boat because it was what they knew to keep them safe were the ones that were afraid. Now, unfortunately, Peter got his eyes off of Jesus and back on himself and on the storm, and he sank. But Jesus came and rescued him. John 14. Jesus, now, we talked about him in the beginning of his ministry when he said, come, follow me. Step out into uncertainty, but if you follow me, I'm your certainty. Now he's preparing them for another uncertainty, because he's about to leave them. And he's not going to leave them by just disappearing. By just He's going to leave them. They're going to see him arrested. They're going to see him tried. And they're going to see him crucified and die a horrible death. They're going to see the authorities make fun of him. And, and, and they're going to see him die. They're going to see him buried. And then they're going to see him raised from the dead. But everything's different. Their relationship with him will be different. Because up until now, when they got scared or insecure, they could reach out and touch Him. They could hear His voice. And now they were going to go through a transition, a change, moving into a different phase, and it will be an uncertain phase for them until, unless He prepares them adequately for it. So these first few verses are Jesus preparing them for the uncertainty that's going to be triggered by the change they're going to go through. But he says to them later on, it's to your advantage that you go through this change. Because whenever God leads you to another step, it's always better than the step you just left. Peter on the water, there's an old saying, that when they do the roll call in heaven of people that have walked on water, it won't take long to answer it. (laughs) So we may laugh at Peter, but he has walked on water. So let's go look at this. Let's look look at John 14. Let not your heart be troubled, because when changes come and uncertainty, there's a tendency for our hearts to be troubled. Look at it. What is the answer? You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many, the New King James says, mansions. The word literally means just places for you. And if that, if you, you know, don't get, I can't have time to go there. If it were not so, listen to this, I would have told you. other I'll tell you what you need to know. Remember, the source of our security is the one we're following. And Jesus is saying to them, look, what you need to know, I'll let you know. What you don't need to know, I won't tell you. So if, if this were not so, I would have told you. You can trust me. I love you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, (laughs) we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Now think of what he's saying there. Thomas is saying, Lord, you just said we know where you're going. And, and we know the way to get there. But how can we know the way to get somewhere when we don't even know where it is? See, he's thinking in natural terms. It's making them uneasy and anxious. And Jesus' answer is so profound. Jesus said, I am the way. Not I know the way. Not I will lead you to the way. The way is in your relationship With me. And I would suggest to you that whatever uncertainty 2021 holds, and right now to all of us, it's all uncertain. None of us knows. The certainty we have is in our relationship with Christ. It's the same certainty He was offering to them. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father unless He comes through me. So as we face the uncertainties of 2021, I do have some good news for you. There are some certainties. It's not in our government. It's not in our medical profession. They're doing the very best they can keep praying for them, pray for our government. It's not in anything this world offers. But there are some certainties that you can build into your life so that whatever uncertainties are facing us, we will not be shaken, but we will be bold and do what we put here to do. And I'm going to give you three of them. These, and none of these are things you haven't heard before. They're all things we know. We do this by becoming more aware. The, the basic thing is the, the, the source of our certainty is in our relationship with Christ, and He lives on the inside of you. But most of us spend most of our time, most of our day, most of our life walking around totally unaware of who lives inside of us. And if we're aware of Him, it's Sunday morning and whatever other time when you may pray, and we don't spend the time to develop an awareness of who it is that lives in you and a relationship with Him through the Holy Spirit. So each of these that I'm going to give you are designed to help you do that. And again, they're things you know, but we need to realize how critical they are today. Number one is God's Word. Meditating on God's Word. Not reading it. We need to read it. We need to know what it is, what's in it. But it's meditating on it. It's thinking about it, talking to yourself about it. Talk to yourself. Most of you do anyway, it's just you don't talk the Word talk to yourself. I just said a few minutes ago, circumstances talk to you. They'll tell you you're not going to make it. They'll tell you they'll be afraid of this. They'll tell you you're going to lose your job. They'll tell you, whatever, I'm going to get COVID this year. They'll tell you, they'll talk, talk back to them, but talk God's word. It's amazing the boldness you'll feel as you begin to speak God's word out loud. Speak it. Don't just think it, speak it to yourself. Now, not in the middle of your workplace, but mutter it to yourself. I talk to myself all the time. God's Word. So let me give you some scriptures here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Let not your heart be true. Oh, no. Since you've purified your souls in obeying the truth. He's talking about how we got saved. We got saved obeying the truth through the Spirit in the sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Go ahead. Having been born again... Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass. It's here today and gone tomorrow. All the glory of man is as a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away. But the word of God endures forever. So one thing that's certain in 2021 is God's Word. God's Word is the truth. God's Word works. You can build your... In fact, you need to build your life on God's Word because God's Word endures forever. Let's go over and look quickly at, at Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Jesus talking about the Word. Jesus, well, he says, for surely I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, you realize this is all going to pass away. The things we build our life in, they're going to pass away. All these things that you can see is going to pass away. Till heaven and earth pass away, but not one jot or tittle, that's dot, or a cross of a T, will by no means pass away until all this is fulfilled, all the law is fulfilled. So Jesus says, the Word will not pass away, it is eternal, because it is, it is God. So you need to build the Word of God into your life. And that doesn't happen casually, it happens intentionally. And the reason I'm talking about this today is first of all, to burst your bubble that we know 2021 is going to be better than 2020. We don't know that. So get that settled right now. But instead of being anxious, if you're anxious about that, it's because you build your security on the things of this world and not on the things that God has provided as a foundation for our life. So God's Word, you have to intentionally build God's Word into your heart, not your mind, into your heart. And that happens by meditation. That's the first thing. The second thing is prayer. We're going to talk a lot more about this this year. Prayer is communion with an unchanging God. Prayer is communion with an unchanging God of all eternity. It develops our faith that He is really there, and He's really listening to you, and He really will answer your prayer. The only way to develop a real relationship with God your Father is the way you develop any other relationship. It's by talking with Him. And it's not just talking, it's then listening. Because He'll answer you. So many times there's an old story about an old preacher, southern preacher, who laid on the floor for hours just talking to God and complaining and finally it dawned on Him, here lies a man who knows almost nothing, doing all the talking to a God who knows everything. The things God wants to tell you The thing God wants to help you with. In fact, every day, whatever you run into, God wants to prepare you for that. He'll bring scriptures to you and if you'll develop a sensitivity to His Spirit, He will prepare you for whatever's going to happen because He loves you. You're His child. God wants to help you. He's not sitting back like a taskmaster saying, well, let's see how well they handle this mess today. No, He wants to help you come through it. He wants to strengthen your knowledge of Him and your relationship with Him. He's not put us here to fail, and He's not put us here just to survive. The world's goal is to survive. We're here to fulfill a purpose. And you've heard me say this over and over again. God knew, God chose to put you in the earth at this time, knowing what we're facing. It's an honor and a privilege that God would choose us for this time, but He hasn't chosen us to fail, He's chosen us to overcome. In the beginning of the book of Revelation, there's chapters 3 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jesus tells John to write a letter to seven different churches in Asia Minor, and he addresses something different to each one of the churches, which tells me he knows each church specifically. And in most of them, he says, you've done this right, and this you haven't done right. Change these things that you haven't done right. But the end of each one of them, he says the same thing. It's the only thing that's said in each one of them. To him who overcomes, and then there's a promise. So we're here overcome whatever comes down the road in 2021. So prayer develops confidence that God, your Father, is really there. It puts us in touch. This is one of the things God's impressing on us, why we have to learn more, better how to pray, because we have, as Christians, available to us the unlimited power of the God that created the universe. Think about that. You have at your disposal this year for whatever you face. You have at your disposal the power and the ability of an almighty God who can't wait to meet your needs. Why are we anxious? Because we don't really believe He's there. We don't really believe He's listening and we don't really believe, really believe, oh, we do it up here but not in here. Believe that He wants to answer our prayers. But from the beginning of the Bible to the end, He's says, ask. He's not done us to tease us. He wants us to ask because He wants to take care of you and to meet your needs. Philippians 4, verse 6. I think they, have, they put it up there. Be anxious for nothing. Well, what do we do then? How can we be anxious for no- But He tells us what to do. But in everything that you'd be anxious about. With prayer and supplication, that just means asking from your heart. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Why? So He can disappoint you? No. So instead of being anxious, God wants us to come to Him and make our requests known to Him. Talk to Him from your heart. Be real with Him. Develop a real relationship with Him. But again, as with the Word, it takes an intentional decision to do this every day when you don't feel like it, when you don't want to, but understand the prize that's there. If you'll push through your flesh, the prize that's there, if you'll just begin to spend, even if it's five or ten minutes in the day, you can find ten minutes in the morning. What will happen is, it will begin to grow because you begin to get something meaningful out of it. So, Develop the word inside of you. Sow that into your heart. Number two, prayer. And the third thing is set your hope not on this world, but on what lies before us. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. For we desire that each one of you show the same diligence... Whoops, I'm in the wrong... Oh, that's right. The same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. So he's talking about hope. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Notice the word diligence. Diligence doesn't just happen. I believe the reason God wants us to hear this at the beginning of this year... Is, to, is, to, is a wake-up call. Because it's very easy to say, we made it through 2020. But you don't get a gold star for making it through 2020 that gives you a free pass in 2021. To think, oh, wow, that's over with. It, it, it may well be what we went through this year. But the devil hasn't retired We're, I believe, in an historic time, spiritually historic time, where spiritually things have begun to shift towards the end times. So if I read my Bible correctly, that doesn't mean things get easier. It means things get harder in the world. Now, I'd love as a pastor to stand up here today and say... We made it through that. This is going to be the greatest year you've ever had. It's going to be the easy. We've turned the corner. We've gone over the top of the hill and it's downhill. I could have you standing up and cheering. But that's not right to tell you something that isn't in God's Word. But that doesn't mean we fail. That doesn't mean that we become afraid. God has put us here Keep that, God has put us here for such a time as this. So our hope cannot be that 2021 gets easier. It can get better, but it's not necessarily going to be easier. But the better is being closer to God. The better is seeing God come through. The better is the greater presence of God. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full, but it takes diligence... It doesn't happen easily. To the full, assur- full assurance, see that sounds like certainty. Full assurance of hope to the end. Keep going, and we do not and do not become sluggish. That's so easy to do. Now it's so easy to go, and we become sluggish and fall into a trap. But imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises through faith and here. Now go down to verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. What does an anchor do? An anchor provides stability. We, we had a, years ago, we had a boat. My son and I had a boat. And one of the first times I took it out, I discovered that Narragansett Bay is full of rocks you can't see. And I clipped the bottom of the motor off. And we're out there, and in the Narragansett Bay in this part was not very deep. So my son went over the side of the boat to hold the boat until the people that came to rescue us were coming. And, and, and I threw an anchor over one side, because the boat's going up and down like this, the tide's moving, but the anchor, although the boat may move around like this, the anchor keeps it in one place. And the Bible tells us that this hope, not a hope for 2021 the hope of where your ultimate calling is. That hope is the anchor to our soul. In Hebrews 11, I would encourage you to go through Hebrews 11 slowly and meditate on it because this is the whole principle of that chapter. All these people came and they did what God called them to do because their hope was not in this world. Their hope was in the promise of what was to come, which is sure and steadfast which enters within His presence. 2021 lies behind us. It lies before us. (laughs) That was a fast year. 2021 lies before us, filled with uncertainties. And we must choose how we will respond now. The uncertainties of this year are to God opportunities for His kingdom. We can choose to build our life on what God provides for our certainty and overcome, or we can choose to allow the uncertainties to overwhelm us. Many are hoping that the circumstances of 2020 are now behind us, but the Bible does not guarantee that. It does not guarantee it does guarantee that if we will leave the safety of this world's things and ways to give ourselves completely to follow Jesus, that He will keep us. I want to close with a quote. It's a little long, but if you want to get this quote, it's in my notes. You can download the notes. This is a quote from Martin Luther. I referenced it in the beginning. I'm to read it quickly. Discipleship is not limited to what you can comprehend. It must transcend all comprehension. So plunge into the deep waters beyond your own comprehension. And this is Jesus speaking. He's, I will help you to comprehend them even as I do. Bewilderment is the true comprehension. Not to know where you're going is the true knowledge. My comprehension transcends yours. Thus Abraham went forth from his father, not knowing where he went, But he trusted himself to my knowledge and cared not for his own. And thus he took the right road and came to his journey's end. Behold, this is the way of the cross. You cannot find it yourself. So you must let me lead you as though you were a blind man. Wherefore it is not you, no man, no living creature, but I myself who instruct you by my word and spirit in the way you should go. Not the work which you should choose, not the suffering which you devise, but the road which is very contrary to all that you choose or contrive or desire. This is the road that you must take. To that I call you, and in that you must be my disciple. If you do that, there is an acceptable time, and there your master is come. Let's pray. Father, we come to you to turn as we face this year together with you. And we ask your help to help us to let go of those things we have built into our lives that we based our lives on that this year we have found were not as certain and secure as we had hoped. Help us as we begin this year together by the power of the Holy Spirit to face it, do an inventory of our hearts and our lives to see where our true trust is. Help us to recognize those areas of our life where we're anxious, whether it's our finances or our body or our health or our future or our family or our, or, or our things, our house, whatever it may be, wherever we're anxious, help us to recognize that and to put the care of those things into your hands. Father, we cannot respond to the call that Jesus has given to us to follow him in our own strength. We cannot follow him in our own determination. We can only follow him by giving the Holy Spirit permission to take hold of us by the hand and to lead us and guide us. And so, Father, as we begin this year together, We're asking you to do just that in our lives. Do what we cannot do for ourselves. We are weak. We are helpless in ourselves. Many of us have tried over and over again through our lives, especially at the beginning of years by making determinations and making commitments that make some changes. And here we are again, still having to make the same commitment and determination and changes. But today, today, Lord... We put that into your hands and trust you by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring those changes about in our lives. And Father, we just tell you, we thank you for how you brought us through last year. And as we face 2021 together, we're confident that the God who brought us through will bring us safely home and help us to grow in that confidence and hope and assurance. In Jesus' name.